Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of CookieCast. Today on CookieCast, it's the wrestling podcast getting over with your host, Stuart Woodmancy, and myself and Paul are along for the ride. It's not a full-blown, full-fat version of the wrestling podcast, but it's just been a while. And we want to keep everybody in the loop with what's going on in the wrestling world. So this is a 0.5 episode. If you are checking us out on YouTube, SoundCloud or iTunes, do subscribe. It's where the cool kids hang out. And, uh, well, you know, it really helps us and we love you for it. Anyway, let's get cracking. This is CookieCast, the Getting Over podcast. Recording in progress. Well, that's a surprise. And nearly as surprising as when I say, Stu, take it away. Hello, it's been a while since we've done a wrestling podcast, so here we are. Welcome along everyone, this is getting over 37.5, I guess. <laughs> Getting hitting the big numbers now, but yeah, it has been a little while since we last came to you to talk about wrestling, so we thought we would furnish your ears and eyes with a little cookie cast goodness and try and get you up to speed on what's happened in the wrestling world since last time we were on air. Um, long-time listeners and viewers will know that historically we haven't really covered the Crown Jewel uh, pay-per-views as the standalone um, podcasts, probably for the same reason that we're never going to do a Newcastle United podcast now, but um, this year WWE only had Crown Jewel within the month of October, so it left a little gap in the podcast schedule for getting over, so we, we, yeah, we thought we'd just get you caught a bit. Um, speaking of getting caught up, can anyone remember who the current predictions champion is? I mean, it's probably going to be me, because it's usually me. I thought it was Matt. No, no, it was Mr. Cook. Mr. Cook is correct. Is, Mr. Clean Creep himself. Is it this point in time that I throw that I throw out the, uh, the you know, the? Or, 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 do I save it? Do I need to save it? I'll save it. I mean... I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to spoil anything. But if you if you'd like to get the posing out of the way now, that may be. Uh, there you go. Uh, so yeah. So for those of you not on YouTube, it would be the man currently giving it the full Hulkster rotation. Um, I mean, if that's not a reason to go and uh, like and subscribe and all that business, <laughs> get yourselves over there. Um, so yeah, the last wrestling-based predictions we made were for the Extreme Rules event, which was all the way back in September. Um, as it has been a while and there's a little bit to get through, we'll, we'll jump right to the results. So, out of a possible six points, we did a tiebreaker as well, for those of you that have got a good memory, and how many gimmick matches there would be. As at the point of recording last time, there was only one. I mean, thank God we didn't need the, the uh, tiebreak because uh, that remained as only one, and we all went way over on that one. Um, so, yeah, in... In the no particular order that is the very particular order, we had a fourth place, conspicuous by his absence, Mr. Matthew Moore. He obviously knew it was coming. He decided to swerve us, so he, he knew. Um, now, 
in, in, in joint second, we have Paul Williams and the now former. Oh, no! Randy Cook. So, taking it with five out of six, which, you know, it's as close to a clean sweep as possible. Not quite going to broach Mr. Cook's uh, figures on that on that particular stat. But, yeah, five out of six. Hard work comes my way, finally, once again. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take that um, and probably have it for the shortest title reign, as we'll probably be doing some predictions in a couple of weeks' time now for Survivor Series. Uh, we'll, but we'll get to that date later on. Uh, so, yeah, as I mentioned, Crown Jewel has happened. Uh, we'll go through the headlines for it. Um, and I have to be honest, probably for the first time in its uh, sort of in the Saudi era, if you like, I actually did end up watching some of it. Um, I've, I've kind of avoided it previously um, on the whole. But, um, but yeah, it was all right from what I saw of it. It wasn't the annual car crash that it has been previously. Um I'd like to say in, in, in part the fact that Goldberg put in a reasonable performance this time and didn't either knock himself out halfway there or his opponent midway through the match. Like I say, put in a reasonable performance, uh, taking a win over Bobby Lashley with a pretty cool-looking spear off the entrance ramp through some tables to end their no-holds-barred, falls-count-anywhere match. Uh, big congratulations, and I'm sure this is mainly from... Andy to Xavier Woods becoming the new King of the Ring. Zelina Vega winning the first ever Queen's Crown, so obviously the, the female, the newly instated female equivalent of the, uh, the the King of the Ring tournament. And really, if we were going to talk about a match in depth, it would have to be the Hell in a Cell match between Edge and Rollins. Didn't expect anything from any of them matches especially with a long flight, all the rest of it, nothing really bore any kind of relevant storyline-wise. But that match particularly was probably the one that had the most build going into it on the basis it was the blow-off to their rivalry. And it, it didn't disappoint. Uh, uh, the, that Hell in a Cell match was worth watching. Um, have you guys managed, did you catch any of them or did you did you avoid it out of protest? I think I've seen the first sort of like 20 minutes or so of it. Of the whole thing, or the Hell in a Cell? Just the Hell in a Cell. Hell in a Cell was positioned early as well. It was the first half of the card, which I was quite quite surprised at. It was the first match, wasn't it? Well, maybe not the dark match, but it was the first, like, on the paper, on the sort of the, the show. Yeah. I was thinking the tag match was, but that was in the that was definitely in the uh, the pre-show thing. But yeah, we we could we could at this point take a deep dive into the matches or like you know the complete legitimacy of the Saudi dealings. Uh, but the main thing to come out of the event for me was more featured matches for the women in a country that is adapting a bit of a change in attitudes towards females currently. And um, we all know from um, previous podcasts that. WWE had put on a one-on-one women's match, which was Lacey Evans versus Natalia from memory. Uh, but this time, not only did we get the, Queen, the Queen's Crown final with uh, Zelina Vega and Dewdrop, we also got a triple threat match for the SmackDown women's title uh, with uh, Lynch, Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. And 
probably slightly more interesting for me was the first ever female referee out there as well. Uh, so not only did she, you know, go out there and be the first female ref, she was the one that got handed the uh, the task of the Hell in a Cell match as well. So um, her surname is escaping me right now. I know she's called Jess, but well done to Jess and, and the women involved. Jessica Carr, I believe, is in it. it. That is it. Yeah, thank you very much, Paul. But yeah, well well done for, for all of them involved in, in all those matches. It's nice to see it keep pushing forward. So at least, you know, regardless of how we might feel about the rest of it, some positives are coming out of it at least, which is which is always nice. Um, any, anything else from the Saudi pay-per-view that you guys wanted to mention before I move on? Uh, I am firmly in the camp of the uh, the boycotters. Uh, I, I, I can't get on board with the quite with the cash cow uh, side of side of the wrestling. So, uh, I, I, I mean, they've, they've probably spent more on fireworks just for that show than they have for the entirety of any WrestleMania for well, certainly for the last two years. Been as wonderful as it does. Um, but yeah, yeah, okay. Well, we'll we'll move on then. So. Last time out on the podcast, we did mention that the draft had been booked in, which has now taken place. The new rosters actually took effect the night after uh, the Saudi pay-per-view, which I thought was a little, ambi- a little ambitious and a bit of a big ask, given that the, uh, you know, the previous trips to Saudi have been so uneventful involving them getting back into the country as well. Smackdown took place the night after Crown Jewel, so they had to think, get the new rosters all the way back to the States and get to the show. Um, I guess the, the sort of the big names, if you like, the, the big hitters from the from the draft results. Uh, Roman Reigns stays on SmackDown with, along with the Universal title. Big E has now officially moved to Raw with the WWE title. But for the second time in a row in the draft, Kofi and Woods have gone the other way to SmackDown. So that's kept New Day apart again. Um I mean, little, little tear, little tear rolling down the cheek there from Mister Cook. See, I was gonna, I was gonna go the other way there. I was gonna say, has it become apparent at this point that Andy's actually the one who's actually compiling the draft sort of picks and things like that? He's, it's quite obvious that he's the one who's making the decisions at this point. I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. I am not set to appear on any live WWE shows in the near future. Coming to a channel near you soon. <laughs> I mean, we've we've all joked before about you know could somebody be listening, but maybe maybe we've been uh, not optimistic enough in that assessment, and maybe it's secretly Andy is them all. Who knows? Uh, the the women's title holders swap brands. So Charlotte, as as the Raw Women's Champion, went to SmackDown. Becky Lynch. The SmackDown Women's Champion came to Raw, which uh, resulted in a title switching ceremony. I mean, this went down terribly. Um, we'll, I've got a little section on this, so I'll, I'll, I'll sort of sidestep into that now. But seeing as the champion switched brands, the title switch was booked in for, for the SmackDown, um, but apparently didn't go to the exact plan that they had laid out. I don't know if you've seen any of this, but essentially when Charlotte was supposed to hand the Raw title to Becky Lynch, she just dropped it on the floor. I know that there's, unless it's been used as a weapon, there's always this sort of bit of, it's always seen as a bit of a faux pas, I think, if the title is uh, tossed away and hits the deck. And this, from 
from most of the reports that I've seen, I mean, taken for what they are as well, you know, it is, it is essentially as they call the dirt sheets, but it didn't particularly go down well and also apparently led to a bit of a heated confrontation backstage between Becky Lynch and Charlotte, but it didn't get to the, uh, the point where things turned physical. Charlotte has also reported as leaving the building without speaking to Vince McMahon regarding what had happened. Um, part of some of the other stuff that I've, I've seen was that Flair had lobbied to actually drop the title to Bianca Belair, having, you know, she'd actually moved to Raw. Um, they didn't want to do that. Okay, if that is true, I kind of see that from Charlotte's side in the respect of Bianca Belair getting a victory over Charlotte Flair for a title is a, is a pretty you know, decent thing to do on the way out of the door. Um, but it would also then have posed a problem of how do they get the SmackDown title back onto SmackDown. It would have meant that Becky would have had to have taken the loss at Saudi Arabia. Um, but I'm not sure they want Sasha Banks as champion over there right at you know, this point in time either. Um, the way that Charlotte Flair is going, their hand may be forced sooner rather than later. Um, after this happened, she was scheduled for media appearances and, and all the rest of it, um, You know, as you would be as champion during the, the following week. She was pulled from all of those um, and apparently has only just retained her place on the upcoming UK tour as well. So um, the cynic in me would say it's almost like her fiancé has gone to wrestle for another company that her dad then guest appears on sometimes and it's a bit like something... You know, maybe she wants to go elsewhere. Maybe her mind isn't quite with the company at the moment. But given her um, stature and, and sort of, even though it is all fairly recent, the actual history that she's she's built up, I think WWE will, will pretty much do anything they can to keep hold of her. I think she's pushing, she's she's pushing the limit of chucking the toys out of the pram, shall we say, at, the, at this point in time. Um, and from what I've read. It all stems from her side, from a, a promo about two years ago where Becky Lynch called her plastic. Apparently that didn't go down well. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a promo. Just just get over it. You can probably tell from the way I'm setting this up that I am maybe shouldn't pick a side, but I, I kind of feel like Becky Lynch is definitely in the right with this one. <laughs> There's too, too much against Charlotte Flair for me. I don't know how you guys have uh, kind of... How you guys feel about it? Yeah, it, it, it definitely has the feel of maybe she's sort of not believing in her own hype as such because she is obviously very good, she's very talented, but is she sort of channeling a bit too much of her dad in the sort of living the gimmick sort of thing, you know, being a bit over the top with sort of being being a flair and whatnot and so you know like making things difficult for herself like where her dad's like done that in the past and so like that but I don't know. It, it's it's one of those things where yeah, I think she's she's probably not she's not helping herself with the way that she's acting but obviously in her own head she's perfectly like justified in what she's doing, isn't she? So mm-hmm. strange one though. Maybe maybe there is that little bit of a law of the the other company. Um, I don't know. 
there's uh, everyone seems to be crossing the street these days, don't they? Well, let's face it as well. If she if she pushed for it and got a release or did something to the point where um, she you know she she was forced to leave, it's only like a three month holiday that she gets. I'm sure she's not short of a bob or two to fund herself for three months by this point, and then away she goes. So anyway, I guess watch this space. But yeah, just just to round up the uh, the draft news, um, NXT were also involved in the draft this time around. Um, not too much in terms of the the main roster, if you like, going to NXT. Um, although Mandy Rose is obviously making an appearance there of late, but not an official part of the draft. But we did get the entire faction of Hit Row coming from NXT to SmackDown. Uh, so four new talents essentially getting a bit a bit of a push. Some good work in NXT. I'll be honest, the song annoys the shit out of me. Um, but it is what it is. It sticks in your head, and it's it's there for that reason. I understand that well, you know some people do. Enjoy, I do enjoy the work that they do. It's just the song just annoys me. Um, we also got the return or, to the main roster of Austin Theory, drafted straight out of the way onto the Raw roster. Made a bit of a splash since his arrival, beating Jeff Hardy. Now thrown into a bit of a program with the Mysterios as well. So he's um, he's getting a bit of a rub there, and. One of my favourites from uh, the, the former Black and Gold brand, Zia Lee, has left to, to join SmackDown. Yet to really make too much of an impact there. Um, just getting started. Done a couple of promos and what have you, but um, she could be a force to, to, to be reckoned with, I think. Um, I think we might have seen before Mercedes Martinez left, Zia Lee knocked her clean out in a match as well. <laughs> that deal. was brutal. That was brutal. And I know that's kind of not the point of what they do, but, uh, I mean, if you're ever wondering if she needed to get legit about it, uh, yeah, she, she just is going to rip your head off. Um, was there any other picks that you guys have seen or are you happy about the moves or surprised to see? The the one that the one that surprised me the most, was it... I, I don't know if I'm going to get his name wrong, but was it Gable Steveson? Mm-hmm. So the guy who, this is the guy who legitimately won the gold medal in the latest Olympic Games for the United States in wrestling. So now Kurt Angle isn't the only gold medalist in WWE history. But But, he is the gold medalist that's won the WWE title at this point, because that's blatantly where they're going to put it. Exactly. Um, But I thought that was a bit of a surprise. Has he gone straight to SmackDown or straight to Raw? Straight to Raw, yeah. Which just seems baffling because obviously I, I don't know if that's just a sort of a like a short term thing and then and then they're they're going to end up putting him back down to NXT like just to sort of put him on the road and stuff like that but yeah it just seemed a bit of a bizarre one to sort of have him completely skip the developmental front. My thing with that was that I, th- I think that he's probably been training a little longer than we anticipate for a start. Um. I don't know though, because if you think about it, the Olympics was only what three months ago, and you can't really like Kurt Angle said in the past, like when he's when he's talked about it, there's like you can't really sort of shirk training for that. You've got to be in it like twenty four seven and stuff like that. And obviously, the first thing that they always say about amateur wrestlers who then become professional is that they have to be taught to sort of like give themselves up and like 
sort of uh, allow them allow them like allow people to sort of put their like their back to the mat and stuff like that, which I think is the first thing they're taught in amateur wrestling to never do and stuff like that. So it's like getting out of that mindset. So I'd find it odd if he has just gone straight from that in three months. Putting my uh, cynical hat back on. I mean, it's it's clearly nothing to do with the fact that um, AEW have had a good proportion of MMA fighters turn up recently to promote both products there, and clearly nothing to do with the fact that they've had other Olympians appear on AEW on primetime television. Absolutely nothing to do with that at all. They did WWE were, were keen to to push the fact that he was signed, whereas the the other people on AEW were just guest appearances. So you know they've 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 got that as well, um, but yeah, I think that no no surprise to anybody that's listened to us before on on getting over the the, the biggest Drew McIntyre fan in the room was very happy to see him go to SmackDown. Um, I'm not particularly happy that he's probably just going to get fed to Roman Reigns in the build up to uh, the Dwayne. But as we as, as I keep mentioning, it's happening, people. Just I, I just. I just need to deal with it. I just can't. I'm just not quite there yet. Um, but yeah, that that was. I, th- I think he's he's got a fresh set of challenges there as well. And I think that if he if he keeps himself positioned quite nicely, whatever happens in the fallout with the Rock and and Reigns, if if whoever has the title after that confrontation, I don't want Drew to kind of burn himself out at the top of the card. I want him to be thereabouts to kind of step in following that. Um, that, that kind of run between those two to, to kind of take 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 the reins for want of a better uh, phrase um, once they've inevitably burnt themselves out after Reigns been back for probably over a year at that point and uh, the Rock been back for about twenty five minutes so so yeah so I, I was ha- I, I am happy that Drew's gone to SmackDown I think he'll he'll get a decent run there um, one that surprised me was. The fact that they've done nothing of late with Shayna Baszler, then they've put her out as a single star by separating her and Nia Jax as a tag team. Move her to SmackDown, put her in the Queen's Crown tournament, starts off the tournament like an absolute killer, and then she lost. <laughs> in I think it was the second match that she had to to Dewdrop to get into the final. So. Give her a nice build. Give her a fresh fresh roster to have a go at. Make her look like she's going to absolutely tear people to shreds and then kill it before it even starts. So that was a bit of a surprise slash disappointment. Um, but yeah. So moving on, um, we've got one other thing on the, the, the main list and then a little bit of uh, afters as well. But in some non-WWE and very sad news... Ring of Honor is set to close its doors, at least temporarily, at the end of the year, following the aptly named Final Battle pay-per-view. Um, the press release issued by Ring of Honor states as follows. Uh, Throughout the pandemic, our top priority was to keep everyone healthy and safe, and despite not producing any live events over 18 months, we were able to keep everyone fully contracted. We We now find ourselves at a time where we need to make changes to our business operations and are planning a pivot for Ring of Honor with a new mission and strategy. The year will culminate with a final battle in December and we'll be taking the first quarter of 2022 to work internally to reimagine Ring of Honor. 
Ring of Honor has the most dedicated fans in the industry, and we appreciate their loyalty and patience as we reconceptualize Ring of Honor. We anticipate returning to live events in April for the Supercard of Honor with a new fan-focused product and provide a unique experience for wrestling fans. I'm not quite sure what to make of that. It's a really strange one. It, it, it happened um, in pretty much the blink of an eye. It's just a statement was released to say that all the Ring of Honor talent were going to be released from their contracts at the end of the year or if not before um, they were open to take indie bookings as soon as they wanted to do it um, and yeah it's just for for a company that whilst they haven't produced live events that people can attend they still have been sort of doing stuff behind closed doors and what I mean it's still they've still been producing uh, big like big names there as well they've been attracting people there and like, people like Chelsea Green have gone and Maria Canellis has been running the, the women's division side of it, putting tournaments together and, and a few other bits and bobs. Um, yeah, it's just it's just a strange one. It, it does obviously it mentions that they're intent on returning with a new direction, um, new production, but it it's going to have to be pretty much new roster as well because by the time April rolls around, everybody that's there now could have gone. Um, obviously, from the British side of things, it's a big, big disappointment for Mark Haskins. Big, big fan of Mark Haskins. Um, Session Moth Martina as well was signed to Ring of Honor. Barely got to wrestle there because of the pandemic, and now isn't really going to get the chance to kind of follow up on that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just, it's just a strange one, and I, I'm, there are going to clearly be bigger names that have been in Ring of Honor that. Aren't going to struggle um, to get work elsewhere. Um, obviously, Andy alluded to a lot of people crossing the street. Uh, <laughs> well, this is pretty much open door policy, I reckon, on their part. Um, I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised to see some of the the, the top top stars go straight away. Um, however, one that probably won't be able to go straight away, and friend of the podcast, if you like. One Mr. Danhausen broke his leg this week, tibia and fibia in the left leg. Um, if you haven't had a chance to uh, see the x-rays, a tweet went out with a full picture showing both breaks cleanly with the, t- with the caption, look at Danhausen's broken skeleton. Did, he, did, he, did it come out how he done it? I've not, still not seen it yet. It was, it was definitely working an indie show. Um... I mean, I'm assuming he was working in an indie show, being as he went to the hospital with two other wrestlers and t- himself and Warhorse were still in, in full gear with face paint and everything. But it also happened on Halloween. So for two guys who wear face paint to wrestling, if they'd have walked into the emergency room, or not obviously if you've broken your leg, on any other night of the year, dressed like that, they would have been like, what, what the hell are you guys doing? Probably didn't bat an eyelid. So if you're going to do it on any night, Dan Housen uh, has... Oh, perfectly timed, of course. It's all, it's all part of his very nice, very evil plan, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, it, on on the back of that, it's um, it, is, it probably means he's unlikely to ever see action in Ring of Honor again. Because I can't imagine that he'll uh, 
he'll be he'll be left on the free agency for a while. I, I, I would have thought he'll probably already have been contracted if it hadn't have been for the broken leg. But you know, I guess more details will come out over time as to what happens in the meantime. Regardless of if he's wrestling or not. He's clearly a personality. He's clearly going to sell an absolute metric shit ton of merch. Um, so, and, and not saying that most of that is going to come to either my house or Matt's house. Um, <laughs> I think we know it probably some of it will. Um, but yeah, so yeah, just best wishes really to, to Dan House and hope he uh, hope he heals up quick and then gets gets contracted and uh, back earning many sacks of human monies. Um, has anybody got any other business? Because we've pretty much flown through it. Wow. Mm. As every, pretty much everything, the main, the main talking points um, from the last few weeks. I have purposely left out pretty like some of the story builds for, for the matches that are going to be coming at Survivor Series for two reasons. One, obviously I'll talk about that when we, when we come at you with the predictions. And... Two, some of the build hasn't happened yet because let's face it, WWE booking in it. Um, so yeah, the, speaking of Survivor Series, that does take place on the twenty-first of November, and it's uh, a live event returning to the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. So nice big venue, nice favorite place for uh, WWE to go to, having previously hosted SummerSlam and, and so on. So we will be back with you once again the week before that to. Uh, to tell you what's going to happen. So yeah, if, if everybody's done, thank you, Mr. Cook, for joining us. Thank you, Mr. Williams, for joining us. And uh, we shall see you very, very soon. There we go. Catch you later, boys. So there we go. What do you think to that? Another one done. Keeping you up to date with what's going on in the wrestling world. Looking forward to more pay-per-views coming along soon if you are subscribing to one of the ways you can get podcasts you're awesome i want you to know that you too could be awesome by uh, clicking a button like share comment all that good stuff while you're in the mood to click buttons why don't you jump over to the CookieCast website cookiecast.com and uh, check us out we've got little links you can get in touch with us and we want to hear from you. That's it for this one. I'm going to say bye. And I'll see you then. <laughs>